Merkel Media. I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling it. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touched air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. Okay, I'll reload it! Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want more shows every week on Thursdays, we release a bonus show to members only on the website. So if you want to hear more of The Confessionals on a weekly basis, go ahead and check it out at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Just hit the join button and you can become a member today. Now, this week we have Dustin coming on the show and Dustin actually did a two-part show with me. This is an overtime show again. It was not supposed to air this soon, but because of what happened this week, I feel like I just needed to get it out so that... I can move on from conspiracy kind of things on this platform. Now, what you're about to hear on this episode is not conspiracy. Dustin has a lot of paranormal experiences, Bigfoot lights, all that stuff. We're going to get into it on this show. And then in the overtime segment, we actually recorded some things that were happening about a month ago. This was recorded on December 11th. And when you hear what I have to say and what he has to say almost a month ago, it's a little prophetic. It's almost like, wow. You hear what we have to say, and then you look at what's happening today, and you're thinking, spot on, and actually kind of worse than what they were projecting. So that's going to be on the overtime segment, and I hope you guys go ahead and listen to that if you're members. If you're not a member, all you got to do is be a member on the website, and then you can click the overtime segment, and it'll open up for you, and you can listen to the second hour of this conversation I have with Dustin. And I'm going to play a trailer for that conversation right after this introduction. So let's get to Dustin and the Bigfoot lights right after this trailer 
Let's go. That stuff that they will snatch people up for and never hear from them again. Yep. But I mean, what do you do? This is freaking Orwellian to the max, man. Orwellian to the max. The fact that that we are speaking in private because the conversation can't go public, that's Orwellian. They had had people in that book who were reporting other people saying things that they weren't supposed to be saying and thinking how they weren't supposed to be thinking. There was things in that book called Thought Police for a reason. And we are now living amongst Thought Police. So I have to take my segment that is extremely important, put it behind a membership wall so that only people who uh, have access to the privacy of that can access it. Because if I have it public and that gets in the wrong hands, I might disappear. That's how that's what that's what's going on right now. This is what's coming. This is what's coming. It's. Man, I know, and I try to, I try to, I pay attention closely because I want to try to like pinpoint exactly when things are going to get really bad, and I go back and forth between, oh, it's next month, and then, and then I'm like my optimistic side where that wants to believe that okay, we got some time, and maybe I can start a business, get rich, and break free from the system. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Do you think? We got till, you know, maybe a year from now, things will be drastically different if nothing changes, or is it going to play out for a number of years? Uh, it's going to get worse and worse as time goes on until they reach their dystopia. That's what's, that's what's happening. So that's what I was trying to portray earlier. I had a hard time saying it, but like, like we're here in time and it's this rough. This is freaking rough. We ain't used to this. But the road to dystopia gets progressively worse. All right, today we got Dustin on the show. Dustin, what is going on, man? Not a whole lot. Just, uh, just ready for this interview. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we got done uh, talking here and ranting a little bit about current events. So at, as the time that it is right now where we're speaking, uh, it is December of 2020. And, uh, you know, if people are hearing this months later, maybe the world's changed a lot between now and then. <laughs> but uh, as of right now, you and I just got done ranting for about 45 minutes to an hour about what's going on in the world. And uh, you brought some things to my attention off the CDC website. Uh, the, in, the the title of this article, and I, I hope it's the, the article you're refer, referring to, but it says, uh, Interim Operational Considerations for Implementing the SHIELD Approach to Prevent COVID-19 Infections in Humanitarian Settings. And this is off the CDC website. And you told me that uh, it's it talks about basically taking people who have COVID-19 and putting them in some kind of quote-unquote health camps, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got to say, when I read it, it just really made the hair stand up on the back of my neck because I know what they are. And uh, 
what they want to do is in the name of COVID, they want to take people, put them into, into camps. And we got the space for these camps now, because I mean, let's face it, schools are closed. Stadiums are closed. There's all these large spaces that are no longer being occupied because of everything being shut down. Now they got the space to put these camps into place and everybody is going to be crying for reopening the economy. Well, this could be one of their uh, ways that they'll say that we can is by shielding uh, the the immunocompromised and the old. Um, and I've already heard people talk about it. They've said, why didn't we just uh, shield people away from, you know, the, 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 the at-risk people and just carry on with the economy? Why did we have to shut everything down? Yeah. So that tells me that there there could be there could be support for it right away and uh i mean people won't really know what 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 they truly are until it's already implemented two things that made me scared about it though was that uh one was it said it may have the appearance of looking forced uh that right away red flag to me and the other part that uh didn't sit right with me was that it said that if an outbreak were to happen in one of these facility facilities, it could be disastrous for the people inside. And I mean, it's I, it's laying the groundwork for a very similar situation we saw uh, in Nazi Germany. Essentially, is what you're saying. It's setting the exactly. table. And, uh, exactly. And I'll tell you that they, they have camps, like you said. I know, uh, I've been, let me put it this way. I've been told by somebody that possibly in January this year, if I'm allowed to travel outside my house, uh, I will be probably visiting this guy here in Pennsylvania who, uh, knows of a location. And he told me this, I want to say last year before all this happened. So 2019, he said that he knows of a location that's not far from Raven Rock, which is an underground military base in Pennsylvania that looks like yep. an empty internment camp just sitting there waiting to go. And he said the only way you can <laughs> see it, he said the only way you can see this place is a certain time of the year, which is right now in wintertime when the leaves are off the trees and you're on a certain ridge and you look out, you can see it through binoculars. And so it's pretty well hidden, apparently. And uh, I'm going to see if I can go find this place. Uh, maybe they're going to, you know, they'll see me and they say, hey, that's our first member. Come on down. You're not going home. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, It's a very serious situation we're living in right now. And I, recently, the people who are listening to this, whenever this airs and stuff, you probably have noticed already by then that uh, I've become very vocal about this kind of stuff because I just don't care anymore. I think it's time to stand up and fight against the uh, dystopian regime that's trying to come in here. Uh, but I say all that, Dustin, to say that you and I are going to actually go in a different direction right now with your UFO, alien, Bigfoot experience, kind of that story. And then uh, we're going to kind of hang around and stuff for an overtime section talking about all this stuff. And uh, so people, if they want, they can go ahead and uh, check out the overtime section if they're members on the website. Uh, but Dustin, Let's get into this experience that you had where it started out seemingly, if, if I remember correctly, it started out seemingly pretty innocent where it was just like you saw a light in the sky, did something funny, and then things kind of snowballed from there. So why don't you just kind of take it away, brother? All right. Thanks. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it did kind of just progressively build throughout the night. So 
Uh, this happened, let's see, um, 2011 in the middle of the winter. And, uh, my daughter, my first daughter had just been born and, uh, my ex and I, uh, we're not together anymore. She, she and I brought her, uh, back to the reservation where we were both, uh, members from. And, uh, this is in uh, North Central North Dakota called uh, Turtle Mountains. And so we uh, visited family and then we're uh, going both going to school in Grand Rapids, uh, Minnesota, which is northern Minnesota, deep in the woods. I mean, it's 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 pretty far into into northern Minnesota. And uh, so, I mean, it's like overall like five or six hour drive uh, between the two places. And, um, I don't know, for some reason we left at like 10 PM, I don't know, something like that. And, uh, we find ourselves, you know, driving late at night. And, uh, so as we are getting to, uh, Grand Forks and, uh, heading, heading East, I I'm looking down to the South and I'm, I'm a passenger in the car, our baby's in the back and, uh, she's driving. And I see a, uh, a white streak of light just shoot across the sky. And when it, when I noticed it, it, it kind of right after that hooked down downward, like it changed directions, uh, towards the ground. And a little bit after, uh, this arcing motion, not like a 90 degree or anything, kind of more of an arc, uh, it, the, the streak of white light stopped and in its place where it stopped was this twinkling red, blue, white light. And, um, I, you know, I was like, what was that? <laughs> you know, and I, I just kept staring at it. I didn't say anything immediately to, uh, to my ex. And, uh, I, so I was just, I'm just like checking this thing out and staring at it. And I was like, well, that was really odd. And, uh, so, you know, we continue on our drive and we eventually get into Minnesota. Well, after gassing up and I think Park Rapids, Minnesota, uh, we were heading off and we still got, I don't know, hour or so left to go. And, uh, at this time it's about 3 AM. Uh, it's really late and, uh, we're both wide awake. I don't know. must've, I think we were drinking an energy drink or something and just trying to get home. And, uh, the next thing that happened was another streak of white light hooks down towards the ground in its place of a uh, red, blue, white twinkling light. And, uh, this time she saw it too. It was, it was right in front of us. We both could see it out the, the windshield of the car. And, uh, we're both like, did you see that? Did you see that? And, uh, we're both confirming to each other. We saw it. And then I, that's when I tell her about the other one that I saw, uh, that by Grand Forks and that one was still visible too. And so now we got two of them, you know, one to like kind of the right of the car and one to the uh, very front of us. And I mean, they appear to be just looking at us like, uh, if I can describe it, it's, it, it's more like they're in they're in the atmosphere but at its relative size i think these whatever they are the the intelligent 
you know, uh, design of this appearance is made to look like a star. It's, it's, so when you're looking at it with the eye, it just looks like kind of another star in the sky and, but it's twinkling, uh, rapidly different colors. And so, I mean, you'd have to be looking for it to, to, to notice it, but I mean, we saw the, the streak with the change in direction. And so, I mean, I guess that's about the size of what we're seeing is something about the size of a star, but I mean, coupled with hooking towards the ground and, you know, seeing two of them do the same thing, we knew something was going on. And, uh, then the next thing that happened was a third one. Not, I mean, after the second one, I was kind of like eyes all over, like behind us, above us. And just like wherever I could look outside while we we're driving, I was doing. And, uh, then a third one, uh, hooked down towards the ground and stopped, uh, you know, at about the same elevation or, you know, angle from where we could look up at it and uh, another light. So now there's three of them twinkling lights and they just kind of have us triangulated. And, um, the next thing that kind of happened was, was really, really strange. We started to have to slow down for deer and we're swerving around deer. And then the next thing they're not, you know, they're so thick. We had to slow down to like 10 miles an hour. We're like putzing along, sweet swerving, uh, between deer. Like I've never seen anything like it in my life. We had about like 30 deer in our headlight in front of us. And I mean, it just felt like being in the twilight zone, like just that eerie feeling middle of the night, winter, like 30 deer in our headlight. We, we got these twinkling lights like surrounding us. And we're just, we're just like, kind of just like freaking out, not saying much at this point. We're like, I don't know what's going on. And we get through this kind of wall of deer and we're able to kind of speed back up and I am monitoring the situation between all these lights, you know, as closely as I can as she drives. And the next thing I see is the one behind us, two white balls of light drop from the sky, uh, drop from it. This, this twinkling light, two orbs just fall to the ground. Uh, sorry, no, not the one behind us, the one in front of us. Yeah, sorry. So the one in front of us, two balls of light drop. And this just really brought it up another level because we both saw it and it was, it was, it was directly in front of us. And I mean, we, we seen it and it just kind of disappeared into the, the tree line. And mind you, this is Minnesota that we're driving through now. There is trees everywhere, uh, you know, and rolling hills and roads that wind left, right, up, down. Uh, that's just kind of how the roads are in Minnesota. And uh, so we keep driving along. And uh, next thing you know, we started to see a white light uh, kind of pulsing on and off, on and off. And it was off in the distance through the trees. So all you can see is just like flickering of this light at when it's on in the distance through the trees so you can only see parts of it and then we get closer and closer and you can just see it you know more and more clear as we get closer to it and it's it's just kind of 
very rhythmically and kind of like if you turned a dial for a, a light, you know, how, how it's not like it just was instant on, instant off. It was more of a fade on, fade off and very rhythmic. And we're getting closer and then we notice it's there's a second one and we get closer and closer. Finally, we're right up on it and we stop she stops the car and we're staring directly at the two orbs that fell from this thing uh except i don't know how that these things must have moved or the thing in the sky moved because it, it was still off in the distance you know looking like the same distance away but we're staring at the two orbs white orbs that we witnessed fall from the from beneath it and we're probably only like 30 feet away and uh there one is about six feet off of this kind of marshy swamp to our left and the the other one was like six feet above it and about the size of a basketball there are just this pure brilliant white light and it just kind of fades on and fades off fades on fades off and this pulsing rhythmic and they're doing it together in perfect unison and we're staring at it car completely stopped window down and we're just in awe like there's nothing holding it up we were thinking maybe radio tower uh but i mean when the lights illuminated everything around it you saw nothing they were just hovering there uh just I mean, it, it, it blew our minds. Like we didn't know what we were staring at. I, I felt more excitement than fear. I was ready to get out of the car and go walk right up to it and, and like, see what's going on. Because I, I knew I was witnessing something incredible that I might not ever see again. And I'm like, this is my opportunity to get some sort of answers of, of like, you know, aliens or, or what, what have you. And I, I wanted to explore, but uh, she got scared and kicked down the the gas pedal, and and we took off. And uh, so we're we're probably cruising pretty fast now. She wanted to get the heck out of there, and uh, the next thing that happened after that was uh, that's why I got it kind of mixed up. Was because the next thing was one orb, white orb fell from the one behind us and uh so that one fell to the ground and we're driving along just trying to get get home you know it's like that three o'clock hour there's no cars by the way we didn't pass a single car this whole time and uh a few minutes after we saw the one fall behind us from the one behind us uh, we're starting to notice what looked like maybe some headlights of something coming up, rolling around the hills and the trees behind us. And as it got closer, we noticed it's just one light. So we're like, okay, maybe this is a car with a headlight out or a motorcycle in the middle of the winter. We're like, oh, you know, maybe. And uh, but in the back of our minds, we're both we're both thinking, you know orb we just saw fall from the sky you know and, but we didn't say it and uh we're driving and it's it's getting closer and it's gaining on us and 
it's getting so close that I thought it was going to come directly through the car. And before I let that happen, um, so me being native American, uh, we, we pray with tobacco and, uh, tobacco brings our, takes our prayers to, uh, the creator. And, uh, at the time I smoked, so I grabbed a cigarette, I broke it in half and, uh, I prayed with it. I said, uh, okay, creator, that's enough. Uh, she's scared. And I threw the tobacco out the window as we were going, going over a hill. And this thing was very close behind us. And we went over the hill. I threw the tobacco and it didn't, it didn't follow us anymore. It, it stayed on the other side of the hill right after I threw the tobacco out the window and said my prayer. And, uh, so we, we just kept driving and, uh, like we just, you know, had a near miss and we're both shaken up pretty good. And, uh, she said the next thing she saw was, uh, a green light beam down on the other side of the hill. We just, uh, passed and take up that, uh, thing that was chasing us. And then, um, and then this is her again. She said she, uh, had this mental image of like an old Indian man in her head, like kind of laughing, you know, just like, I'm not, I don't know. Just that's what she told me is like, she had this picture of an old Indian man kind of just laughing in her head. Um, and Oh yeah. And then we, we reached some more deer. We had to slow down again and get through some more deer. And, uh, and then this whole time, all three, uh, twinkling lights were still visible, still triangulated one in front of us, one behind us and one to our right. And they, they stayed in those exact positions until we got all the way back to Grand Rapids and, uh, and we got home. And I mean, luckily we made it home and, uh, and, uh, yeah, those lights kind of just stayed in that, in that exact formation. And, um, oh, but later on, I realized at first when I had this experience, I thought that the deer were attracted to, uh, whatever activity was going on, but through listening to your podcast and, uh, the Sasquatch Chronicles, I realized that the animals are terrified of whatever is going on. So it makes sense to me now that we went through two waves of deer. They were moving radially out of the region that we went into. We fit, hit the first wave because they were all moving radially away from the hot spot where we were witnessing the two orbs. And there were, they, we were just witnessing terrified deer is what we were witnessing. They were all running away from whatever that was. And then we hit the other wave because they were running in the opposite direction away from the, the orbs. Um, and so, I mean, I just, yeah, kind of years later, I, I put that part together. Um, but that's, that's pretty much, uh, that that whole experience there so how how does bigfoot enter into this equation 
So, uh, yeah, actually, um, the next day I went to the college that I was going to, um, Itasca Community College, and uh, I had started my engineering degree at, at this college. And I mean, it's a great college, by the way. I mean, they have a really good um, two-year, uh, you know, junior college for engineering pro- you know, program there. And uh, I was taking Ojibwe language, which is what I, I am. I'm uh, Ojibwe, um, Native American. And uh, so we were, I was taking, you know, that language class and it was taught by a medicine man uh, named Larry Aiken. And, uh, you know, God rest his soul. He's, he's passed on since, you know, I wish I could call him up sometimes and just talk more with him about this. But, um, you know, I got to talk to him at length about it, uh, the next day. I just, I went right to him cause I knew who to go to. I was like, I need to tell Larry about this. And when I did, I, uh, he he told me well i told i told him the whole uh story that i just told you and he had this knowingly smirk on his face as i told him everything and you know he just shook his head and you know had that kind of smirk on his face and when i was finished uh he told me what those balls of light were he said you know bold face no uh you know wavering uh, that those balls of light were Bigfoot. And I was like, Bigfoot, what? And uh, he said that th- you were seeing them in spirit form. And had they presented themselves in physical form, you would have been terrified. And I was like, wow. And he went on to tell me that Bigfoot beca- can become invisible. And that's why, you know, you know, people can't find him. He doesn't want to be found. Uh, he's got, he can become spirit form or invisible. And that's essentially why they, they haven't been discovered widely anyways. I mean, th- I know, and like you probably know, and like, uh, Wes Germer know that they, there's tons of people out there that know they exist, but yeah, I mean, it's just not widely known or accepted because, you know, of those reasons there. And, uh, he, uh, then said that it was the star people that, that chased us that night. And they said that the star people watch over my daughter and, I went to him for an Indian name, uh, you know, Native American name for my daughter. And it turned out, you know, he can't, he uh, informed us that uh, the spirit world, they, they want her name to be uh, Evening Star. And so that's her, that's her uh, Native American name. And, uh, and yeah, mine's actually a uh, white cloud. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, if I could ask him today, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely want to know more, uh, like, why are they watching her? And, you know, does that mean that they're going to be like abducting her occasionally or, you know, like, are they friendly? 
or, you know, I mean, I guess I got that impression because he said it like, you know, it wasn't something to be worried about, but he didn't say those words either though. So, I mean, I have so many questions. He's, he's no longer with us, but, um, all I, all I got is, you know, just what I was able to talk to him at the time. And, uh, it, it was just a mind blowing experience. I mean, it, it changed my life. Like since then, I, you know, I've been obsessed about the, uh, the, the subject and it, it, you know, completely, I mean, I've had, uh, paranormal experiences before from uh native american ceremonies and i kind of want to touch on you know talk about some of those experiences too but like i knew there was a spirit world and stuff but that just confirmed to me you know that the the alien you know phenomenon is real i experienced it and after listening to you know many podcasts like it's it's confirmed to me like it's very consistent with uh, the red, blue, uh, white, and then green is also in there too. But we weren't close enough to see some of those colors. But it, it's it's very consistent with a lot of uh, descriptions that have been told by many other eyewitness accounts, and uh, and just you know the the lights, man. There's always the talk about the lights with Bigfoot, and so I mean for me that right there just kind of confirms it for me what i what i saw and uh yeah so what was your uh thoughts about you know this kind of stuff like everything you just relayed to me what was your thought about this kind of stuff before your experience you said it was life-changing so i'm assuming you didn't really pay attention to it much yeah you know i uh i like i actually struggled with with drinking and uh, like I had a really bad drinking problem before, so I didn't pay attention to much other than just like me wanting to party and stuff. But, uh, ever since that experience that I, I sobered up shortly after that and, uh, it, cause you know, actually this is weird too. Cause after my daughter was born, that was the first time my mom came to me and told me you need to start getting prepared because things are going to get really, uh, really ugly in the future. She told me this 10 years ago and yeah, that's weird. I just kind of came to me now. Um, and this always like kind of makes me wonder too, you know, it is what's going on today. Like are the, are the ETs going to make an appearance? Are they going to, you know, is, are they going to tie into it somehow? Uh, like I, I just, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, my mom came to me and told me that. And, uh, ever since then, you know, I sobered up and I've, I've had that preppers mindset, but I have been unable to until recently have the, the financial means to, uh, do anything to prepare. But today, you know, I, I, I started a painting business and, uh, you know, money, money in my areas is really good for that. And, and then, uh, yeah, and I actually graduated with my engineering degree from NDSU. Uh, so I work as a civil engineer for, uh, uh, Indian health service now. And so now I, I have a, a bit more money and I, I have invested heavily, 
in in preparations. And I can tell you, yes, I can tell you right now, we can go off the grid and live perfectly fine for the next year. I mean, I wish I had more, but the next year with with no power, water, etc. Like we're good to go. And, uh, you know, anybody's long-term plan has to have renewable food source in there. So obviously, I mean, there's, there's hunting and fishing in there that, and, and in Minnesota, there's, there's plenty of natural resources to get that. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for whatever's coming and, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it kind of tied into there a little bit. Yeah. Do you, do you, does your mom give context to that though? I mean, does she like say anything specific or was it just more in general, like the world's going to be getting really bad in the future as, you know, as somebody who's lived a life and has seen things unfold, uh, some people have the wherewithal to project things going into the future. In fact, that's kind of what I, I do. I mean, I, I've recently started really referring to myself more as a futurist than I am a conspiracy theorist because I really, I'm not m- as much of a guy who looks back at like, you know, JFK and things like that as much as I look at the world around me and project where it's going. Uh, is that kind of how your mom was too? Uh, she is, she is now like, uh, so my mom is, is divorced from my dad and, uh, you know, they're both happy in their lives now. Uh, so she remarried to, uh, somebody that I, you know, I have respect for too. And, uh, he served in Vietnam and, uh, he's a prepper. And, uh, the other thing is like, so like, uh, you know, I just started reading uh, rich dad, poor dad and, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the author, he was in, uh, Vietnam too. I think it was. And he said, when he got back from the war, he said, boys, America has changed. And, uh, he was talking about, you know, all the hippies and whatnot, trying to protest the war for, you know, I, I get it for good reasons, but it, it was the very first time in history that, uh, the population was very not supportive of troops, you know? And they, they had to change out of their, their fatigues. And like, you know, they said, they told them to do that and just like kind of disperse, um, after they leave the airport. Well, he's, you know, so my mom's husband served in Vietnam, Robert Kiyosaki served in Vietnam. They got, uh, military economics background, uh, education. So they, they understand true history. Not the history that's taught in, in, in classrooms in America, but true history of economics and, 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 you know, world, uh, governances, uh, systems of governing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's for the past hundred years, it's been the battle between communism and, and capitalism. Uh, but getting back to my mom, so she's married to him. I think he probably influenced, uh, some of her feelings about it, but, she straight up had a dream of, uh, my grandfather that, so her dad, my grandfather that I'd never got to meet, unfortunately. And he was a great man. He fought in world war two. And, uh, my other grandfather, uh, fought in world war two and liberated the, the Nazi death camps. And so 
she had a dream of the grandfather that, that I didn't get to meet, uh, came to him at her and said, uh, you need to prepare. Things are going to get, you know, very ugly in the future and you, you just need to be ready. And that was, a, that was kind of all, uh, I remember from what she told me and she told me that, you know, like about 10 years ago and I've been meaning to bring it up to her again, but you know, for sure she, she got a warning from her, her late fa- uh, father warning her that things were going to happen. And in the, in the, you know, 10 years since then, we've, we've had a lot of confirmation of this through our ceremonies and sweat lodges that things are going to happen. I've even heard of like the Christian church. Uh, there's been prophecy in the Christian church that in our area, at least, um, the Christian church is going to lean heavily on, uh, the native American and there's going to, uh, you know, native American population, and there's going to be a partnership there. And I think it's because, you know, our, our native reservations are, are ready. They, um, they have prepared and we have a lot of people that live in, in poverty and they already essentially live off the grid. And there's, you know, the general population don't have any survival skills. They don't know how to live off the land. They don't know which, which, you know, um, foods to pick and berries to pick or, uh, where, where they can get food out of nature. And that knowledge is still retained on the reservations. And it's, it's, it's a combination through culture and, uh, tradition and just plain old resourcefulness and need. And um, so I think when I put my analytical mind to it, I think that's what they mean is that the, the, the Christian churches are going to need some help from native communities. And I can totally see that happening. And uh, yeah, I forgot. What was the other question? No, I don't think there was. So <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> no, I, but I do want to backtrack here a little bit because I don't want to get away from this original experience before we go into the, uh, cause I know you, you did, um, well now I'm drawing a blank as to, uh, what was it? Um, you did some kind of ceremony. I remember reading it in the email. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. Sundance. Sundance. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I got star child on my mind and I, at first uh, star people and I, I had the S's, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So before we get into that, though, I want to backtrack to the um, the the initial experience. And you said that uh, your wife, she saw at one point uh, an old Indian man laughing. Was that like a vision or was it a dream? It was in the moment, though, right? It was in the moment. And actually, uh, like my ex, uh, like my ex, we weren't actually married, but my my current wife, uh, different person. And we got some some babies now too but uh yeah my ex said that she in the moment saw like an old man indian man kind of laughing it, she had that picture in her head um yeah i mean i found that interesting and just the connection with larry aiken telling us uh you know was able to tell us what happened and uh he said that you uh, know they come from a star not too far from us uh 
Pleiades, I think that is something that I've, I've, I remember hearing. And, uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's like a, a sister planet, apparently. And uh, they come from there, is, is what I was told. Speaking of the stars and star people, you, you said that, um, and I, I don't remember the man's name. I'm not going to be able to pronounce it anyways. Uh, but he told you about the star people and those were the lights in the sky but the lights in the sky if i if i heard you correctly uh two white orbs fell from them onto the ground and he said those were bigfoot how does that kind of tie together do you think well i mean if i accept what he says and i do uh there's a connection between bigfoot and uh et's what the connection is exactly, I don't know. Are they uh, ETs themselves? I mean, I, I think that's a definite possibility. Um, or do the eight ETs, maybe the ETs brought brought them here from a different planet and they just, you know, it's like Star Wars where they got, you know, uh, Wookiees and these other uh, different uh, alien races. They just kind of uh commingle and 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 uh and whatnot and to be honest i think that i think that there there's multiple alien races out there and you know they, they talk about the greys uh so those are the probably the most famous and then there's uh the reptilian uh and some people jokingly refer to them as the the lizard people and uh then there's the the nordics and they're like a tall slender type alien and i really think that all all those uh, different types exist and so what bigfoot is exactly maybe it's another uh, type of alien and uh you know but they, they have this spiritual aspect too that that is really curious when they when they can become pure spirit form I think that, you know, they, they just have in, they're much more in touch with their spiritual side than humans are. Um, and I, I personally think that they, they could be, they could be all from God, you know, like how the different races on this planet are children of God. And I mean, to clarify, I, I believe in, uh, uh, Gichimanadu, which is the great spirit, but I also believe in Jesus Christ and uh, God. I believe that uh, that Gichimanadu and God are the same person, but God, which I'll use interchangeably with uh, the great spirit, gave his people on the planet different ways of reaching him. And I don't believe that one way is is more superior than the other. Just as long as you use one of those ways that he put on this planet to reach him and you do it, you pray, you put down your tobacco, if that's the way you pray, or you, you go to church and, and you pray. And so I think there was different ways given to his people. And uh, so all these, I, I, I struggle a little bit with like, you know, what's going on really with the alien thing? You know, could it be a demonic uh, deception from from the devil? You know, could it be? Is that just what it is? Just a 
demonic uh, manifestation? Or are they just another race of intelligent life that comes from the universe, more of a conventional, uh, you know, thought of what aliens are? I, I, I kind of go back and forth between those two because I, I can definitely see that either one could be could be real. And, you know, when we talk about different dimensions uh, of existence, I mean, uh, uh, string theory necessitates higher levels of of um, dimensions for it to be a valid theory of of uh, physics, and so you know maybe these beings have a better understanding and how to come and go out of these uh, dimensions. Who's to say that th- these dimensions that they speak of uh, are the the realm of existence that we go to after we pass on i mean all i know for sure is that i know that people go to a different plane of existence uh with with the creator after after uh life on this earth is over and you know i also believe that hell is real and that people will go there too if if they didn't lead a life uh and try to help people and uh but I did ask him, you know, are, are these aliens like of God? I mean, that's what I was trying to get at. Like, are they just, are they his children too? And he said, yes. So, I mean, I guess I kind of lean towards that. And, uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that there very well could be a federation of aliens that have decided that humans are not sophisticated enough in our technology and our in our evolution um as as a civilization to reveal the existence of uh extraterrestrials i i think it's like star trek the movie when they when they went to that planet and they visited uh these weren't they covered in like white powder or something are they're like white people i don't know but they're like obviously like in the stone age um and you know, they talked about, oh, we, we were not supposed to reveal our existence to these people. And like you could have damaged the outcome of that civilization. And I think it I think it's it's logical to uh, think that they are curious in us and they, they don't want to interfere, though, because they, they want I mean, that's what we would do our, ourselves. We try not to interfere with natural life. We just want to observe and learn, but try not to disturb, uh, the, uh, what they got going on. But I think there's also bad ETs and sometimes they don't, they don't play by those rules. And, you know, maybe the, the good ones are, are actually providing protection from our, the bad ones, but you know, maybe the bad ones, they still get away with, with their abductions and stuff. Cause that's, that is a, a real phenomenon too. 
Yeah, it's all very complex and intriguing. And there's so many different ways to think about these kind of experiences that people have and just the ideas that float around out there from these experiences. Uh, and everybody has their own thoughts and ideas and stuff. And that's why I, I don't discredit people and I don't try telling people, well, you're wrong because of this and you're wrong because of that. Because here's the thing, like, yeah, sure, I have my thoughts and ideas on things, but uh I don't know if I'm right. You know, like I have very strong feelings about things, certain things, very strong feelings uh, that lead to that, that come from my, my spiritual background. Uh, th those are, th I mean, I think that's very common for many people where that some of their strongest feelings in life stem from their strongest feelings of their religious spiritual backgrounds. And, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, like, there's so many things that we just don't know whether it's possible or not, if it's if it's real or not, or if our line of thought lines up with what actually is happening around us. Uh, and, and that's something that ha it has bubbled up to the surface in just culture in general. When you have an entire world that's been manipulated and propagated by media across the globe that's controlled by uh, world elites, people don't know where to go with their thoughts. Because what they're being told is manipulated and deep down inside, they know that. They know that. And so to think outside the box that's been given to them is extremely hard because uh, we don't teach critical thinking to our children. And they've, they've essentially snatched away the ability to critically think at, from adults through uh, entertainment and lulling you to sleep with the phones that are in your pockets. And so... Um, I totally, I totally hear where you're coming from, uh, Bigfoot's an alien, all that stuff. But no, <laughs> but no, it's true though, right? I mean, it's true. Like we hear people talk about Bigfoot being translucent, and uh, what, what do we, where does that idea come from in Hollywood? Well, the movie's a predator, you know, and yeah. the predator is translucent in an alien, and people say that Bigfoot. Uh, they they they've seen Bigfoot be translucent, and we see people like like you having UFO experiences line up with Bigfoot. Not necessarily you didn't see Bigfoot, but the idea of it. Uh, we we have had people say that we had Bigfoot activity on our property, and at the same time we had UFO sightings. And so and, and sometimes people talk about Bigfoot interacting with the UFO. I've heard people say that they saw Bigfoot come out of the UFO. It's so there's yeah. there's so many different things that there's... that that to to think about, right? There's definitely a connection. There's definitely a connection. And I mean, I don't know. Bottom line is, I guess we don't really know what they are until we can talk to one or, you know, hopefully maybe somebody has had some sort of mind speak. And I can't think of an interview that I've listened to where they told outright, we are this or we are that. Uh, maybe maybe one day somebody will have that experience but but even even that so like uh, for me uh, the way i i i hear things i approach things i i just this is how i naturally am when i hear that i'm like okay that's your experience right but then when it comes to the translation of the experience from the experiencer, that's where there's room for people to draw their own conclusions. And so when somebody says that they experienced mind speak from Bigfoot or mind speak from whatever, uh, that person who had that experience th at that point, uh, defines their experience through however they decided to define it. So they could say, you know, I had mind speak and Bigfoot told me this. And so I believe it. 
And then there's going to be other people out there that are going to say, well, you had mind speak and you had the Bigfoot experience and it told you this, but what if whatever you experienced wasn't being truthful with you? What if it was being deceptive? And so there's just so many different ways to think about this stuff. Uh, And that's why I just really put emphasis with this show to be open-minded. And we just talk to people, have good, fun conversation, and just let the cards fall where they may. And let the audience, you, me, everybody decide and draw your own conclusions as to what you're going to believe. Because that's the most important thing right now. In a world where you're being told what to believe everywhere you turn, it's very important that you have an, at least an hour show where we we approach topics and at the end of the day you as the guest in the show and I are telling all the people who listen these are the experiences now draw the conclusions where you want to draw them and think for yourself and see where that thought process goes i think that's huge because it's something that we we have that that is a, a talent and a gift that has been taken away from us in our society yes yes we Everybody needs to uh, critically think for themselves and never take anything you hear for face value, even if it's from authorities. The, the, the media is is like uh, perceived to be an authority. They're they're supposed to tell the truth, and they're just reporting the news. Uh, but no, actually, the Smith Modernization Act of uh, 2012. I forget the 2012 uh, legalized propaganda. Yep. So, me the media. Big the big media corporations, it's, it's propagandized. The, uh, and, and and your next thought is, well, I didn't hear about that on the news. Exactly, because they're not going to tell you they're allowed to lie to you. Yeah, yeah. I uh, before we switch gears into that, I was wondering maybe if there's time. I don't know. You you tell me like uh, the the Sundance experience. Oh yeah, there that's was. Where I'm going pre- with it, man. I want you to go right into uh, it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean it was a it was a pretty cool experience. So what a Sundance is is for it's 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 the most sacred ceremony that we have as a native culture and it's practiced all throughout North America. Um and you know so tribes down south uh all, all the way to uh, way up here in Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. We we practice Sundance and they 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 take slightly different various forms uh depending on where you uh are geographically but essentially what they are is uh a way to show your commitment to uh the creator and and your uh sending prayers the most powerful way that you can and you're there praying for the people praying for what they need if if you have sick relatives or friends and family you're praying for them or if if you know the the tribe is going through something awful or that's what it was you know then but like today we pray for the 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 country we pray for the world we pray for everyone we don't pray for just our people only no we pray for the world we care uh about everyone and it it's so there is uh flesh offering and and actual like what could be viewed as uh self-mutilization but it's it's very traditional it's very sacred and it's very real and it's done in a uh sterile with like sterile scalpels and everything uh in a safe way 
So uh, it, it, uh, to Sundance, you uh, you you have to be ready for it. It's uh, you're supposed to um, fast in the spring and go up on the hill t- for a vision quest, and you fast for uh, no water and food for four days, and you sit up on the hill and you battle the elements. You 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 sleep under the stars. And you go without, you go without food, you go without water. And it simulates, uh, you know, getting closer to death. You are bringing your body close, closer to the point of, of death. And so what it does is it thins the veil between this world and the next. And you're, you're meeting uh, the creator halfway, you're showing that you're willing to meet him halfway from this world to that one. And he will, he will meet you the other half. And he does. Um, so I haven't done a vision quest yet, but I did get to do the spirit, uh, the sun dance. And, uh, so after, yeah, you do that, then you get, get to go to the sun dance and it's, it's four days and four nights, uh, as well. And, uh, you go without food and water that whole time. And every day you are dancing and it, it's, it's, you form a ring, a circle, and, uh, you use like, uh, tree branches, like boughs from, uh, trees to form kind of like roof structures around the circle. And then in the middle, you put up a spirit tree and I forget the exact name of the tree uh which one it is uh but like it's a specific tree and it's blessed before it's cut down and it's treated as a sacred object from the time it's cut down and uh all the way till we're you know we're done with the sun dance but it is the most sacred item when we're at the uh, sun dance so when it's brought into the circle every sun dancer ties a rope to the top of the tree and then they also tie uh tobacco bundles to the top and these tobacco bundles are are your prayers what you're there for you you usually sun dance for a handful of things that you're there specifically for and um you know i was there for my family and uh for a few other things and uh one second and uh so after everybody ties their rope to the tree uh they raise it and it's you know sunk into the dirt and then you know buried around and so now you got a standing tree in the middle you dance around it four days and no food no water and uh like i explained with vision quest you're you're thinning the veil between this world and that one showing you're you're meeting him halfway and uh in the mornings and evenings we have uh, a sweat lodge so you know if you don't know what a sweat lodge is it's it's like a sauna but these rocks are in a fire that is by the way there's a fire burning for the entire time of the sundance and uh in the fire we we bring in uh rocks we call them grandfathers and uh these we heat up the grandfathers and they they sit in there for like a good half day 
And so they're in there and they're, they're glowing red hot by the time we, uh, take them out, out and put them into the sweat lodge. And so there's this pit in the middle and, uh, it's a dome structure with, uh, canvases and blankets and whatnot covering the dome structure. So it's pitch black. You can't even see the hand in front of your face. Uh, and we get in and, you know, I just get in with like some, some basketball trunks on or something. And, uh, um, actually when you're sun dancing though, we, we have uh, traditional, like men wear a traditional skirt and women wear, uh, a traditional skirt with, but with also a top on too, like a blouse type thing, but traditional as well. And, uh, then you pour water on the rocks and it gets very hot in there. And, uh, and, but like, we're also kind of like letting the moisture hit our body and we're like kind of that's how we clean up a little bit in the morning and um well one uh one night that we had a sweat lodge um we had a spirit an entity visit us and uh his name was sota and sota was a warrior that died in battle at the age of about 13 or 14. And he uh, came to warn us that the next day it was going to be very hot. So tell them to put the red ochre on. And the red ochre is like uh, traditional sunblock, sunscreen. It's red and it shields the skin from, uh, you know, damaging light. And uh, so we don't burn. And uh, he was audible though. That was the crazy thing. You could hear him. Granted, you can't see anything inside the sweat lodge. But the weird part was, it sounded like I was listening to a cartoon character. It was this high-pitched, cartoonish-sounding thing. And it sounded like gibberish. I couldn't understand it. And it was just like this. It was just very bizarre sounding like that. But you could tell something was communicating, and the medicine men understood perfectly, could hear him. And when when you reach that level of uh, spirituality and uh, have lived that life and and shown for a very long time and have have practiced this culture, uh, you reach different levels of being able to see and hear things so they they can see more than i can see they can hear more than i can hear and so they were able to tell you know i could hear something but i just couldn't understand what he was saying and uh but they could understand it and uh so they told us what he said and he also said that he likes snickers and coke (laughs) which kind of um (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) and uh uh, that's a thing in our culture too, is leaving out spirit plates and that, that, uh, so when we have a big feast, we'll take a little bit of everything and put it on a plate and that's offering it to the spirits in a show of respect and acknowledgement of their existence of still being there. Because when we do this, the, the ancestors, they follow us and they, they watch, they watch everything. And while we did this, uh, a great big wall of a uh, thunderstorm just billowed up in front of us and started moving in on us. 
And as it was moving in, it, we were seeing faces of like Hayokas, they call them, which is uh, medicine men, but they're also jokesters. And it, it would take a little bit too long to understand what, tell why they're jokesters and stuff like that. But that's what they're called, Hayokas. And uh, we saw we saw their faces in this this thunderstorm. And then as it was moving in, it stopped. It stopped like a couple miles out. And this huge mushroom cloud just billowed up in front of us. And then it started putting on a, a lightning show for us. Lightning just streaking across the, the great big cloud. It looked like a mountain in front of us and filled with just dazzling lightning show for us and he said that they do this every year they show us that they're they're watching and uh there's been lots of ufo experiences there i didn't get to see a ufo experience there that time but they said that you know there's f-18s that scramble and they they try to chase them down and they know that our ceremonies call these things in we don't we don't tell the the ETs to come, but they just, they react. And that's the other very strange thing about uh, the alien realm is that they, they respond to prayer. When I threw that tobacco out, it stopped following us. When we have our ceremonies, they come, they check it out. And I mean, the, the, the government outlawed uh, our, our sun dances because they, they were freaked out by it. And they still are to this day. They are, they're scrambling their F-18s. They can't keep up with the UFOs. But that was one of the reasons that they banned it because they were freaked out by it because they saw some stuff. And I mean, Bigfoot, they, they are always like in the vicinity. They watch too. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about seeing their glowing, uh, eyes off in the distance surrounding the, the, the ceremony. And, uh, um, and then while you're in s- sweat too, uh, there's a shaker that, you know, like it's kind of like a maraca, but it's a, a traditional shaker and it, it gets picked up by spirit and it starts getting rattled all over the, the, the sweat lodge. And as it gets rattled, it, it sparks off light. It gives off a light. It's supposed to be pitch black in there. I mean, we're, we're talking no electronics whatsoever, no lighters, nothing like that. And somehow there's light coming from with inside this, this shaker. And it's, it's the spirit energy, you know, from, from the spirit world, picking up the shaker. And when we sing and we get to an intense part of the song, it, it, that's when all that energy, it, it must give them enough energy to enter into the physical space that we're in pick up that shaker, make it spark light and shake it. I mean, it just shakes it in front of you and like it hits the ground. I mean, you could hear it just like, like somebody really like energized, picked it up and just hitting the ground around people and, and like hitting the rocks. It's, it's a very intense experience. And yeah, if you're not ready for it, which I've seen stuff like that before, because, uh, when I was, like six years old my mom needed hip replacement surgery or something i think that's what it was but she had a healing ceremony and we're in the basement of uh medicine man's home and we 
block out all the light, pitch black in there too. We circle up and there's shakers in the middle. I saw those sh- shakers light up too. But at that age, I still had my innocence. And um, this is universal across all cultures and uh, religions that when you have your innocence, you're more susceptible to seeing and hearing. Well, that time I got to see two spirits walk into the circle. So granted, it's black, pitch black. I can't see a thing. I can't see the hand in front of my face. But off in the distance, I look and I see uh, like in the shape of smoke, uh, two figures walking into the the circle. And I, I still remember it to this day. I mean, it, it, it's one of those experiences that just let me know that there, there is a spirit world. There is an afterlife. Our actions have consequences and we, we are, we were most definitely interacting with that world. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just looked like smoke, like white smoke. Uh, but it was in the, in the form, like I could see legs, a body, arms, and a head, but nothing distinct beyond that. But I could just see them walking into the circle, uh, coming to, to help us, you know, with our, with our prayers. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's wild, wild stuff. Yeah, it definitely is wild stuff. And, you know, one of the things you're talking about is all these experiences. And then you mentioned about how uh, the government and you guys stopped doing it because they had, you know, scrambled jets or whatever. Uh, But then right after that, you mentioned about how it attracts, you know, Bigfoot. And, you know, you're having these UFO, you know, ET experiences or whatever. It kind of it kind of at least from your perspective of telling the stories and experiences that you've had, it really kind of ties a in my mind, a very direct connection to some of these people's experiences being very spiritual in nature as well as maybe physical. So, uh, you know, I know some people don't think Bigfoot's anything other than a hairy creature walking around the woods. But um, if if what you're doing is attracting these creatures along with ET, along with UFOs, to the point that the government's having to scramble jets and, and tell you to stop. Like it, it tells me there's a very much of a spiritual aspect to these kind of things that uh, maybe people aren't, they maybe people don't want to accept or maybe just can't mentally fathom or go there, you know? Yeah. It, I don't know why there's suppression uh, of, you know, the belief in um, like, you know, you know, spirits or, uh, just, the. I think it's just the push of, you know, science versus religion and, or, or just spirituality in general, uh, why they have to be competing ideologies. I don't know, because I personally believe that, you know, the, the creator willed things to into existence and willed, you know, uh, evolution to happen and he was had many, you know, uh, creations before us before he arrived with with man, and he's he's sticking with man right now. And uh, so, you know, as we explore uh, science further, I mean, I think that we could get closer to you know uh, blending the two. 
Uh, and I think we're getting closer to that point, but you know, and I think these ETs, they, 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 I think they understand that, you know, existence isn't just what you can see, hear, touch and, and whatever with your senses there, they, they understand that there's a spiritual aspect to existence as well. You know, cause if, if Bigfoot can choose between to be physical or in a spirit form, they obviously know more than we do. Uh, but like, you know, our culture, we always knew all these things and yeah, I mean, sadly it just, it looked like paganism when, uh, the spread of the Western world came in, but, uh, you know, we're still here today. We still practice our, uh, our, our ways and our culture to this day. And, uh, for that, I'm, I'm proud. And I just, you know, I hope that we're able to retain our language too. Uh, cause that's dying with our elders, uh, as they, as they pass on and not enough young people are, are, are learning it. No, I absolutely agree with you, man. Uh, listen, Dustin, this, uh, these stories have been a pleasure to listen to, man. I appreciate you sharing them. Absolutely. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where you share the show on any platform. It doesn't bother me if you share the show on Facebook or Twitter. I don't care. Just share the show if you enjoyed it. And once again, if you want to, go ahead and follow me on MeWe because that is a free speech platform I hear. My opinion might change after I am using it for a little bit. We will see. Guys, I love yous. You've been with me for over 300 episodes, and I thank you very much for that. It means the world to me and my family that we have people listening on a weekly basis. And as times change, we need to be flexible and act according to the things that are being thrown at us. And that is what I'm doing right now with my actions. I hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you... That phrase is becoming more and more true every day. The truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. That's stuff that they will snatch people up for and never hear from them again. But I mean, what do you do? This is freaking Orwellian to the max, man. Orwellian to the max. The fact that that we are speaking in private because the conversation can't go public, that's Orwellian. They had had people in that book who were reporting other people saying things that they weren't supposed to be saying and thinking how they weren't supposed to be thinking. There was things in that book called Thought Police for a reason. And we are now living amongst Thought Police. So I have to take my segment that is extremely important, put it behind a membership wall so that only people who uh, have access to the privacy of that can access it. Because if I have it public and that gets in the wrong hands, I might disappear. That's how that's what that's what's going on right now. This is what's coming. This is what's coming. It's. Man, I know, and I try to, I try to, I pay attention closely because I want to try to like pinpoint exactly when 
things are going to get really bad and I go back and forth between oh it's next month and then and then I'm like my optimistic side where that wants to believe that okay we got some time and maybe I can start a business get rich and break free from the system <laughs> but like I don't know I mean what do you think do you think we got till you know maybe a year from now things will be drastically different if nothing changes or is it going to play out for a number of years uh, it's going to get worse and worse as time goes on until they reach their dystopia that's what's that's what's happening so that's what i was trying to portray earlier i had a hard time saying it but like like we're here in time and it's this is rough this is freaking rough we ain't used to this but the road to dystopia gets progressively worse worse Oh, 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 oh,